Welcome back to Master the Marketplace with Caspian. Hello there, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Master the Marketplace with Caspian. You know, when we talk about e-commerce, we typically talk about B2C, and that is really what the world knows about when it comes to e-commerce. But people forget that there's a completely different market out there that is a multi-trillion dollar global opportunity when it comes to B2B commerce. And today, that's exactly what our topic is going to be about. And we've got an expert in the industry, and I'm not going to do justice on telling you more about who he is and his background. So let's just welcome Brian back to the show. Brian, welcome. Good. All great to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk about this. I'm so passionate about B2B e-commerce. So I'm thrilled to be here and looking forward to our conversation. Fantastic. So, so Brian, to get started, why don't we just talk about you, your background, maybe give us a little history on, you know, how you got excited about e-commerce as a whole and then specifically B2B. Sure, Kunali. You know, this just makes me sound old <laughs> when I go through this, but I'd be happy to talk a little bit about it. So I've been in the e-commerce field for over two decades, uh, about 20, gosh, 22 years. I started in 1999. Wow. Uh, and uh, boy, I've seen and lived through a lot of things. I spent the first 17 years of my career as an e-commerce executive at B2C companies. So I was running e-commerce for companies like Harbor Freight Tools and PacSun, if anyone knows Pacific Sunwear and other companies like that, some early stage companies. And gosh, we learned a lot through those years, right? Of B2C, we, we tried a lot of things. This was all unprecedented. And I got into the uh, B2B e-commerce field about five years ago. <clears throat> and I like to say, Kunal, it makes me feel young because <laughs> B2B e-commerce is so far behind where B2C is. Right. Uh, makes me feel like we were I'm 15 years in the past. But the, the fact of the matter is the opportunity is huge. And B2B e-commerce is already two and a half times the size of B2C. It's incredible. And most people, as you mentioned, don't even know it. So it's a, it's a great place to be. I'm excited to be, be where I am in my career. That's awesome. And if you don't mind me asking, what wakes you up in the morning when it comes to e-commerce specifically? What's about, what about that industry is exciting to you? Well, a couple of things. I mean, number one, it's the fact that the opportunity transcends so many places for B2B companies. Um, and it, it transcends both sort of the revenue side, but, but also importantly, it's about how, how business buyers want to research, how they, you know, how the company can become more efficient when they deliver a great digital experience to their customers about efficiencies in the organization. There's this can be there can be so many places where the, the organization um, you know, can become become better. And it's driven by these buyers who are today, uh, you know, these are digital natives in the B2B world now. You know, 20, 75% of the buyers in the B2B in B2B buying roles within two years are going to be millennials. Millennials are Amazon and digital natives. So what gets me psyched about this, uh, Kunal, is that it's really more about not the best practices. Like 15, 20 years ago, we were trying to figure out how the heck to do e-commerce, all the basics. The right. best practices are there. It's about applying them to, um, to businesses and, and helping the leadership understand what those opportunities look like. Uh, and so that's what gets me up and gets me excited is talking to these leaders and helping them learn, and they want to learn now, particularly post-COVID. So it's a it's a fun and exciting time to be in this industry. I agree. I'm with you. I'm with you completely. Now, now, Brian, you've literally written the book on <laughs> you know B two B B two B commerce, uh, the billion dollar B two B e commerce. That's the name of the book. There you go. Perfect. Yeah. 
So, so maybe tell us a little more, what was the motivation to put this book out there? I know there's so many books on B2C, yeah. but you know, a, a great niche here. And I'm, I'm so glad someone has really come out with the right, the, like literally the Bible at some level. So tell me more about the book. What was the motivation here? Well, I, again, thanks for mentioning that. And yeah, it was interesting when I first got into B2B, because to your point, there's been so much written about e-commerce that's really consumer focused, right? I mean, a lot of these things were, they were my go-to resources back in the day. And, and when I got into the B2B side, I, I was looking for an, a, you know, a similar thing, a resource, because I would get asked by my, my clients, how, what can I read? How can I get sort of a base level understanding of what's required to do e-commerce? And I didn't find anything. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm crazy. I said, gosh, you know, I've never written a book before. So I said, let me go write a book because I had all these articles, right? I'd posted on LinkedIn and, and, and people were responding to them. I said, I'll just put my articles together and write a book. Yeah, it's not that easy. <laughs> so right. it took me it took me four years. This, this bad boy wow. is it, it's 400 pages long. But it, it, I go into I have 35 case studies in here from I interviewed probably 100 plus companies in B2B. Uh, I have I have folks who have been successful in B2B e-commerce who are generating half of their revenue now from e-commerce channels in profile in this book. I talk about a lot of the, you know, the principles that are necessary to get to that point. And it starts with really it starts with leadership. It starts with some basic things you wouldn't think you would start with. It's not technology. It's about process and leadership and sales team alignment, things like that, that are really the key is what I found. In interviewing all these companies and from my own experience it's those things which are the places to start and so i wrote the book as a resource because it, nothing existed and and uh, now i mean uh, i'm blessed to have a lot of folks reading it and and to be on wonderful uh podcasts like this one can again thank you um to share you know some of the findings so so brian tell us a little more right like you know i'm a company i've traditionally sold on b2c you know, that's my default channel. I go onto Amazon, I go onto my own website, maybe diversify into Walmart. How should a company now think about diversifying into B2B? What should be the steps that they take? Maybe just outline that for us. Sure. Well, it depends on, you know, really the first step is understanding your customer and understand. So if you have a, you know, sort of a consumer uh, aspect to your business, if you're looking to introduce B2B, Right. There's also so many. One of the things, by the way, Kunal, I love about B2B is there's so many different aspects to it. The right. industry is enormous. And, you know, you can be a consumer packaged goods company. You can be a traditional. I work a lot with sort of traditional industrial companies and medical companies and people like that. But even if you're a, a, a brand that's selling consumer products um, in fashion or beauty or whatever, right. there's a whole aspect of B2B that is becoming digitized. So where should you start? It's really about understanding that traditional B2B customer and understanding what they need in the buying process, because there's a lot of similarities to B2C, but there's also a lot of differences because those business buyers are buying, they're buying for different reasons. They're buying for their job. And that's fundamentally a different uh, set of motivations than if you're a consumer. And so when you think about B2B e-commerce and success and the case studies of success in my book, it's all about starting all the way back with the customer and making sure you have the right leadership alignment behind uh, behind your effort. And and so and, and some people will say, hey, it's about it's about technology or it's about the solutions. That's important, but it's not the first step. Does that make sense? No, absolutely, absolutely. And when you talk about like leadership alignment, are you are you basically saying there is a, you know, you 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 get full buy-in from the top. The you have a sales organization potentially like. Maybe expand a little more about you know what what specifically do you mean by leadership alignment here? 
Well, you know, it's, it's interesting. Uh, <clears throat> the, the second chapter of my book is the leadership imperative. And what do I mean by that? Well, it's really, if you don't have leadership buy-in behind this, um, you won't be able to drive through some of the uncomfortable changes that are necessary in the organization. And I'll give you exa an example. The sales team, if you have a traditional sales team selling to your channels, meaning that could be uh, retailers, it could be distributors, it could be end users of the product. If you don't have, if you have the sales team and you start introducing the concept of e-commerce, the, the initial reaction of a sales team is almost without fail. This is a competitive channel. It is mm -hmm. going to take my, my sale away, but more importantly, it is going to take my relationship away with the buyer. Now, ultimately, so there's a threat, a threat, a threatening that happens there that, that the sales team is uncomfortable with. And at the end of the day, what's fascinating about this is it's this is not the death of a, a B2B salesperson. Right. What actually happens is if the sales folks are, are good at their job and they're truly selling in a consultative and strategic manner, they get better at their job. So and, they, and they're actually doing more sales because it frees up their time. It allows them to focus on more strategic issues. It allows them to go deeper, call on more customers, go deeper with existing customers. E-commerce takes away a lot of those routine tasks like where's my order? Can I reorders of products that I know what I want as a buyer? So if you think about it that way and help the sales team along the path to realize that, you're going to be a lot further along. Now, leadership has to drive that and the sales team has to be aligned and involved from the beginning or it doesn't work. The sales team will fight against the e-commerce channel. I've seen it many times if you don't have that alignment early on. So why do I say leadership imperative? It's because things like that, and it's not just limited to the sales team, there's other functions as well, fulfillment, right. warehousing, operations, IT, right. finance, on and on. So anyway, that's, that's it's just critical to have the C-level, the CEO behind this effort, or it will not work. That's amazing. And from a digital standpoint, I mean, what's the best channel to really think through a, B2B like strategy is Amazon the right place to start off? Is it on my own website? Like what, how should I think about a, a more B2B strategy from a digital standpoint? Yeah. So it's really fascinating. Kunal. I'm not sure if you've been following some of the things that, for example, Amazon's doing in the B2B sector, they have uh, uh, something called Amazon business, which has become right. the fastest growing part of Amazon. It, it eclipsed AWS last year, 25, $27 billion in revenue this year in B2B sales. So what does this mean? You know, if, if I'm if I'm sitting in the seat of a, a let's say a product manufacturer, right, and I'm thinking about how do I and I have no e-commerce, how do I get started? You know, my channels probably have them, my retailers, my distributors, they're probably selling via e-commerce. One of the ways that I see companies and often advise companies uh, as to get started in e-commerce is to leverage a marketplace like Amazon. Why? Because the traffic is there, the infrastructure is there, the kinds of things you have to get ready for Amazon are also the things you need to get ready for your own e-commerce site, right? And right. you can't think of this as your only e-commerce strategy, in my opinion. It's a leg of the stool. I, I, I own a company called Enciba um, with some partners. And part of our job there is to help companies get started with Amazon and capture Amazon and build revenue there. We see this a lot. A lot of these companies that are traditionally not in B2B e-commerce, starting with an Amazon presence, and now they're launching their e-commerce efforts directly to the buyer and also to enable channels selling to their distributors, selling to their retailers through e-commerce. And they start with Amazon. Why? Because it's, it's, it takes less time, it's less capital intensive, and it builds the muscle necessary to be successful in e-commerce. And that starts a lot oftentimes with data, product data and content. 
you probably see the same thing in your work. Oh, absolutely. And you're, you're absolutely right. I think, you know, Amazon is exists as a, as a huge channel for B2B. And I, I don't think a lot of people even know about some of these statistics. That is a fast, one of the fastest growing businesses in, in Amazon, you know, comparable to AWS, which, which is what we hear about in the, in the media. But, yeah. you know, when you talk about Amazon, everyone just thinks B2C, right? And that's the, the default sort of argument there. And, and, and when you think B2B, I think people think more traditional sales. I've got to come up with a lead list of companies and I've got to make calls and I've got to go through that process, which, is all, which also makes sense. But there is an opportunity with Amazon here. Absolutely, there is. And, you know, it's, it's fascinating when, we, when, when people turn on this channel, uh, the amount of growth they see. One of the most fun uh, activities, it's a little scary too, could often fun. We'll go to a, uh, I'll go with the CEO of a company, a branded manufacturer. We'll go to Amazon and we'll type in the, you know, the name of their brand or, or, or more importantly, the product category they're in. Right. And we'll pull up and look at some of the companies that are selling some of the branded, the other brands that are selling on Amazon. And the fascinating thing is oftentimes the manufacturer doesn't even know who these companies are because they traditionally haven't competed with these brands. And then I show them, Hey, this product is doing three or $4 million, just one product from this brand you've never heard of. You know, you've got to get in and control this. This is a place, Amazon has become a search engine. And this is true of both consumer products and right. B2B products. And it's important to be in there, but you know, look at the end of the day, this is a great, it's a great starting point for e-commerce. And I argue it is a very important part of an overall e-com strategy, but it shouldn't be the only part. There's multiple aspects to having an e-commerce strategy. You need your own as well. I believe every uh, company in this day and age has to have a, uh, an e-com strategy. And one final statistic here, Kunal, 50% of, of B2B companies do not have an e-commerce presence. 50% still. Isn't that crazy? That is pretty crazy. Wow. Wow. Yeah, yeah that, you know, I think COVID has taught the world around why e-commerce in general is so important. And those who didn't switch in time or didn't really have a diversified strategy across multiple commerce channels, you know, suffered at some level. And the, and the same goes for B2B. You know, there's, there's no reason why you shouldn't have a comprehensive commerce strategy that includes more traditional B2B, but also digital. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely agree. You know, the impact of COVID has been really interesting. I mean, if you look at some of the statistics uh, at the end of 2021, this year now, um, a survey that was done recently uh, by, I think it was McKinsey, said that 30% of um, people will still be working from home. So mm. think about that. If you're a traditional sales organization mm. on the B2B side, and you're selling into companies, you can't get in to see the people like you used right. to, right? So McKinsey has this, this model they talk about, which is now they, they deem it the hybrid sales rep. This sales rep is enabled with e-commerce. They're enabled with digital tools. They're using e-commerce together with their physical, you know, selling and, and using tools like, like, like Zoom and other virtual uh, ways to, to establish and continue the relationship. But they are informed by data. They're informed by things that are happening in the, on the digital channel. They have to be. And companies that are not introducing this are, are going to slip. And, and McKinsey expects 85% of sales roles in three years to be defined as hybrid sales reps. And, and they're multifaceted. They're using digital tools every day in their jobs. It's a necessity of COVID, right? Post-COVID, people are less comfortable having in-person meetings. They just, and they, they, the other thing is they don't necessarily see the need to yeah, in many absolutely. cases, right? Oh, absolutely. You're absolutely right. Now, Brian, outside of, you know, Amazon, we certainly talked about, about that. And when, when it comes to traditional B2C commerce, you know, people think, 
diversified Amazon, my own website, maybe other marketplaces like Walmart, I got to go international. How does that translate in the B2B digital world? Are there other marketplaces, other online channels that one should be thinking about post outside of Amazon? Yeah, great question. So absolutely. So the world, you know, and think about it to your point in the, in the context of B2C, right? You look at how things have changed and, and I like to call it the you know, sort of the age of transparency. And this happened in consumer. What do I mean by that? The end buyer, the consumer today has more power than they ever had have had in, in, in the past. They have more channels to buy from, more pricing transparency. They can buy online, offline. They can buy from lots of different sellers. They can find the price they want. Think about car buying, right? How transparent that's become. Yeah. So that dynamic is here in B2B and, it's, and it's, ha it's happening across industries. So if we think about the traditional sort of buying selling process in B2B, a manufacturer made a product, sold it to a distributor, retailer, dealer, whatever yeah. you want to call them, a reseller. And that reseller sold it to the end user, the ultimate customer. Well, that's all messed up now, right? So that's been all <laughs> disrupted. The right. manufacturer is now selling direct to the end buyer. Right. All those traditional distributors have digitized. They have e-commerce, not all, mm -hmm. many of them. Right. You have right. pure play marketplaces coming out. You have Amazon. The pure play, we're seeing the emergence of pure play vertical marketplaces in, in, in product categories like chemicals and metal and automotive. And, and building materials. There are companies now doing hundreds of millions of dollars that focus on marketplace model just for a specific industry like building materials. Um, so it's, it's changing rapidly uh, for these folks. And so I, I think the whole paradigm in B2C is here in B2B. It is the age of transparency in, B2, um, in, in, B, in B2B as well as, of course, B2C, which has been there for some time. And do you think that translates internationally? Are you seeing growth there in other countries that are maybe adopting to even B2C commerce now? But what's the, what's the B2B story digitally internationally? Absolutely. In fact, in some ways, the EU is ahead of the, uh, mm. the US wow. uh, in terms of adoption. I, I, you know, I have a number of clients based in Europe, and these folks are um, they're involved with um, you know, e-commerce, even at a different level, their penetration e-commerce to total revenue is higher than many of the U.S., their U.S. counterparts. Asia as well. I'm seeing some of that happen in Asia as well. So I think if you look at some of these vertical marketplaces and some of these enablers, the software companies yeah. that are emerging, that are getting a lot of funding, some of them, a good number of them are not coming from the U.S. Some of these, that building materials uh, yeah. marketplace I was referring to, they're based in India. I mean, right. th these companies are all over the place. And um, so I, I, this is not a North American phenomenon. This yeah. is something that's happening uh, globally and at different rates, of course. But, you know, it, it really it depends market by market. But a lot of this innovation is happening across, you know, across the world. Right. I can imagine. Now, one of the things, you know, people are used to at, say, Amazon is I got to drive traffic to my listings and I can do that on the platform through sponsored ads and, right. and, and also from off the platform through Google ads, etc., how does that translate to the more B2B side? Is it the same? Is there different tools? Like how should someone yeah. on the B2B side think about, you know, acquisition of traffic? Great, great, great question. You know, it's, it's funny. We, we just did a study. Um, we're going to release a white paper about it. Mm -hmm. Talking about uh, the consumer tactics that can be used in B2B. Mm -hmm. And one of the big uh, areas was acquisition. We talked about digital marketing. We surveyed companies. Um, over 100 distributors and manufacturers respond to this. And these are all in the B2B. These are straight B2B companies, right? Traditional. Mm -hmm. What works in B2B that works in B2C? 
right? And what we found is that a lot of the same tactics uh, do work. So Google, certainly. Email, absolutely. Social media, the jury's still out a bit on social media, quite honestly. The B2B companies, they all seem to have programs. A lot of them have programs, but the, they have a hard time measuring the return on investment as do consumer right. companies. I live this. Um, but a lot of the same tactics will apply and work. What's interesting is that a lot of the B2B companies, they take longer to, for them to realize a return because they kind of figure it out, right? So it takes longer than the B2C companies in terms of getting a return on investment. And they're also more reticent, for example, to email as much as, as, as B2C companies. You know, B2C companies, you're getting five emails a week this time of year, maybe seven or 10. Right. But if, you are a, uh, if you're a B2B company, you're, you, many of them are emailing their customers once a month, once every six weeks. It's a very different cadence. In fact, I have in my book, I have a whole section, a whole chapter on marketing and acquisition. Um, and I talk about how these principles apply and how companies are using them. Those that use them and, and bring these acquisition tools into play are, are winning. They're winning. They're winning market share. And if they have a great e-com site, they're also ranking well in Google for SEO and acquiring new customers mm. uh, through this. And this doesn't. This is not just big companies, Cornell. This is this is small, smaller distributors, smaller manufacturers as well, winning new customers through Google every day. I have a right. great study from a from a, a sm small distributor in the book that talks about how they're winning three to five new customers a week mm. by uh, being in Google uh, SEO, being well ranked in Google for terms in a very competitive category. So there you go. It works. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You've got case studies. That's always, always good. Now, one argument, you know, people always have against Amazon is, Hey, but I don't own the customer. Right. And you know, Amazon owns the customer and I don't have that relationship with the customer. And then someone on the B2B side is going to come and say, well, it's even more important for me to own the customer in the B2B relationship. It's a, it's a closed knit relationship. I've got to nurture that relationship. How would you respond to some of that? Those arguments? Yeah, it comes up all the time. Yeah. When we're talking about, um, you know, talking about, uh, you know, this dynamic in, right. in Amazon business um, and Amazon in general. So there's, I think that the, the question here is, is, is um, number one, let's think about Amazon as a search engine. So if you're not present, that revenue is either going to a competitive to competing product or they're not buying necessarily right. at all. Right. So, but, but in many cases it's going to another, another product uh, that's not owned by you. So if you think about, you know, staying relevant, staying in front of your customer, I think there's a sort of an existential layer here as B2B buyers shift their and consumers have shifted their product um, search 70% of product search now starting on Amazon, mm -hmm. you know, as they shift there, there's that existential layer. Now, two, if you're a manufacturer or a brand and your product stands on its own, that's what you differentiate on. That's, mm -hmm. that's your, you know, that, that is, you're the best in the world at making whatever frying pan, uh, industrial, you know, pneumatic air drill, whatever it is. If you're best in the world at that, Amazon is, in my opinion, simply a change in channels. Do, do your distributors, do your retailers let you own their customers? I don't think so. Mm -hmm. So Amazon is an evolution of, of, of that model. Now, if you're a distributor, retailer, dealer, et cetera, you better be darn sure that you are adding value to your end customer because a lot of the transactional volumes that occur in Amazon you know, that, that they're pursuing that volume and they're pursuing it from you. So you have to think about if you're a distributor, 
uh, or a, a retailer or dealer, what is your strategy with Amazon? I argue they should be there. I argue that it's a great place to sell product, a private private label product. And mm -hmm. I argue it's a great place to make sure you're staying on top of what Amazon's doing because they're setting the bar for everybody, <laughs> right? So, so I think there's an Amazon strategy. You can't ignore Amazon. You can't, so, you can't, so, yeah. And I keep saying that to a lot of small businesses that we work with as well, who always think about, you know, Amazon being this big behemoth evil empire out there against <laughs> small businesses. And I, I really, I, I sort of disagree with some of that sentiment, right? Which is, you know, really it's, it's the way of the future. It's a comprehensive strategy that you should be having. And Amazon is part of that overall commerce strategy. And it's, it's not the end all be all, but it's also something that you can't ignore. Exactly. You can't listen at the end of the day, you can't, you can't and don't want to fight ultimate customer preferences, right. ultimate customer being the user, your product, wherever, whatever it is, you can't fight those preferences. What you need to do is either is to embrace it or have a strategy for it, differentiate from it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, again, Amazon, what do they do? Well, you just got to know what they do well. And they do a lot of things really, really well, but they also don't do other things. Well, they don't want to, right. they're not in the business of solutions, solutioning a, you know, a massive complicated application for your advanced products. That's not Amazon. They're not going to do that. They're going to do other things though, and do them really well. You have to know what they do. So that's, that's the key. Awesome. And then Brian, one other question I had around just, you know, your own platform, like your own website, Shopify's and, and some of that. Sure. What was your, what's, what's your recommendation around how should someone think about a B2B strategy and drive it on their own to their own platforms outside of some of these marketplaces? What's your view there? Well, I, I, number one, any, any B2B company, again, that's my perspective, right? Is B2B, but any, any, any and every B2B company ought to have some form of e-commerce and to do that, you need a platform, right? So uh, what you have to, what you have to think about though, so marketplace again is a great place to start important part of a strategy, but it's not the full strategy. Yeah. You need a digital strategy that you own. And, and that ownership is a platform that you deploy into the field. Now you have to, so there's some differences can all between, um, I know you're, you, you know, these things, your, your listeners here, yeah. uh, there's differences between B2C and B2B in right. terms of what's required from a platform, in terms of what's required from an experience, the buyer's motivations are different, their workflows are different. And as a result, the requirements for the platform are different. And as you think about this huge landscape of platforms, and I've done a lot of work over the years with helping companies pick the right platform, and I've done it myself and made a lot of mistakes right. <laughs> years ago, you know, it's critical to have that, um, to have that carefully uh, in line and understand, um, you know, what you're, uh, what you're dealing with. So Shopify is one, is a fantastic platform for very specific, you know, applications. Mm -hmm. When you get into the B2B realm, there's, there's some other things, other platforms that provide good options uh, as well that are, you know, at different budget points, at different capabilities. It really depends on what your company is, does, and what your customer needs and, uh, and, and what's reasonable for you from a deployment and management standpoint. That's a huge issue for companies uh, to either underbuy or overbuy, depending on what they, uh, what they need. Yeah, no, no, it completely makes sense. And, and Brian, maybe talk a little bit about Enceba, uh, right? Like, hey, tell us a little more about you know, what, what do you do there? Because there's so much here when it comes to B2B yeah. and, and I'm sure, you know, some of our listeners would want to know more about, maybe there's sure. some advisory that they could get from, from you and your business as well, but just tell us a little more about, you know, how would you help a brand or a company get yeah. into B2B through Enceba? 
So we focus on, um, so Enceba focuses specifically on uh, manufacturers that have a B2B legacy. So meaning that they focus in and around, um, you know, differentiating on product, as I was describing, that's their core competency is, is product. And they've been in tradition, they've sold to distribution or maybe to retail uh, for many years. A lot of our clients are um, industrial uh, companies, medical companies, office product companies, furniture companies, but they tend to be midsize and some very, very large companies that are trying to figure out Amazon. And so we help them from a strategic standpoint. What's the right approach? How should you sell? There's different ways to sell on Amazon. It's not all or nothing. Right. And so we help them figure that out and then we execute the program for them. So we actually get in and act as their outsourced Amazon department to help them grow the program uh, in terms of content, advertising management, uh, operational support, brand management, all those things, we get in and help them do that. So it's a, it's a real value add for these companies that don't have uh, a lot of internal uh, or legacy knowledge about, about Amazon or even e-commerce for that matter. So that's, uh, that's what we do. Got it. So you're not, it's not only strategic advice, but you also do the execution you yeah. take over the account, you'll manage it for them. That's great. Yeah. And as far as I know, we're the only company in the industry that, that focuses on B2B and, and, and manufacturers specifically. So, um, yeah, so that's our, that's that. our, <laughs> our sweet spot. Yep. Yeah. There, there are not too many companies out there that's focused a lot on B2B. Right. Uh, you know, and that's why I started off this conversation saying, I think you guys have probably written the book and, you know, you're, <laughs> you're the company in this space because we only hear a lot about B2C and right. that's really what Amazon is. Right. And, and so it's really good. So, uh, Brian, for people listening, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? How should they, you know, give us, give us some information on how do they get in touch? Yeah, with you? great. Thanks. I'd love to talk to some of your listeners. So a couple things they can, they can email me at Brian, B-R-I-A-N at Enciba, E-N-C-E-I-B as in boy, A.com, Enciba.com, Brian with an I. You can also, if you, if you put it, you can also look at our website, which is Enciba.com. And then of course my book, you can find on Amazon. They print it on demand canal. It's pretty awesome. They, they get it, it from people in like two days. You can put a .com at the end of the, my book's name. Uh, so billion dollar B2B e-commerce.com. And you can find out more information on the web um, and order a copy there. So yeah, welcome you guys to check it out. It's a, there's, a, there's a whole chapter in there, by the way, on Amazon, uh, chapter seven, uh, about what they're doing in B2B. So I love it. I love it. Brian, thank you again so much for being on the show. I'm sure our listeners will be very excited to hear more about B2B. It's an opportunity out there that, you know, at some level is, is not as crowded and there's, and there's a lot of upside that, you know, hopefully Brian and his team can, can help you folks with. So, so thank you again for being on the show. Appreciate it. And we'll see everyone again on another episode next time of Master the Marketplace with Caspian. Thank you. Thanks, Brian. Through conversations with experts in online retail, with years of marketing, compliance, and inventory management experience, we seek to empower our listeners to master the marketplace. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you next time on Master the Marketplace with Caspian.